Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Russ M., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, June 30th, 2023, and we're reading from the big book. We are on page 90 and working with others, that fourth paragraph starting with, if he does not want to see you, never force him, force yourself upon him, and it ends with, for that might spoil matters. All right, today's readers, we have Sue L. for the Steps, Tenzin P. for the Traditions. Katie G. is our first reader. Reading page 164 is Amory M. Um, newcomer greeters Leslie M. And second hour host is Ann A. Our reference numbers from yesterday, Thursday, June 29, 2023, 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 20,396, the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting was 20,399, 20399. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome, oh, I'm sorry. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. Excuse me. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You, Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. I will now ask Sue L. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, Sue L., compulsive overeater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message 
to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. All right, Sue, thank you. Next up is Tenzin P. with the 12 Traditions of OA. Thank you very much. Um, the 12 traditions, our precious 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsive eating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, <clears throat> Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tenzin. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop on sh stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one on mute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're resuming our study and working with others on page 90, that fourth paragraph. If he does not want to see you, never force yourself upon him. And it's ending with, for might spoil matters. Just that one paragraph. And I asked Katie G to start us off today. Hey, friend. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. If he does not want to see you, never force yourself upon him. Neither should the family hysterically plead with him to do anything 
nor should they tell him much about you. They should wait for the end of his next drinking bout. You might place this book where he can see it at the interval. Here, no specific rule can be given. The family must decide these things, but urge them not to be over-anxious, or that might spoil matters. Yeah, I have a lot of a lot of thoughts about this. I know that um, when I was underweight and um, doctors, and I think maybe one or two friends were pointing out that I looked really thin and um, was exercising too much. Even my husband, I was furious when he told me he, he thought I was um, exercising too much because I thought, you know, you don't get it. And I wasn't, I wasn't desperate enough. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I couldn't, I hadn't yet identified. I hadn't gotten to the bottom where what I was doing was not working and I needed a solution. And frankly, I needed um, a, a person from, from Overeaters Anonymous to help me see that. And once she did, I couldn't unsee it. But my, my husband had no trust in me. And so he had to be part of the rehabilitation process with me. He had to be part of me not exercising. He had to be part of me starting to exercise again. So what I really learned from this paragraph for me, because this is, you know, I'm still learning to be a sponsor, but, I, you know, I can't force myself on anyone. And um, what I love so much about this is also it brings to mind that there's only one person that can decide if I'm the real compulsive eater. And that's me. And a lot of times, you know, we say, oh, well, they were fat, so I shared my program, right? Or they were really thin, so I gave them a pamphlet. You know, remember, that those are not requirements to be a member of Overeaters Anonymous. There are two requirements. Well, the only requirement is a desire to stop eating. But for the disease, it's that do I have an allergy to the body and do I have an obsession of mind? And what I found is, you know, urge them not to be over-anxious. So over-anxious is agitated, anxious, a bundle of nerves. The more my husband would come at me, the more he would say to me, how long are you exercising? Let me see your phone. Let me see what you're doing. I wanted to be like, go screw. And when the doctors told me, except for the trauma surgeon, when the doctors told me I thought they thought I was too thin, I was like, don't be jealous, right? Because that's my thick, quick, that's my, my thick thinking, 117 pounds, like fuzz all over my arms. I can barely look you in the eye and you're jealous of me. So what I love about this chapter is that we're breaking down how to approach one another and that it's really important, like even in my enthusiasm, you know, when I, when I call people today, I remind them like, look, you've been super helpful for me. Like, is there anything I can do for you? I'm, I'll always be your friend. And even if they want to work with me as a sponsor, I'll say, hey, you know, if you get off the phone and you, you don't want to call me again, um, that's okay. We're friends because the most important thing is that we are good demonstrations of Overeaters Anonymous, which means kindliness, patience, tolerance, and love, carrying the message, but not a mess. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. So now we're going to open up the lines for sharing on this topic, this paragraph. And uh, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if you shared Wednesday or Thursday, please step back, give others a shot to share. And uh, one at a time if you can. And I'll let you know if I hear you or not. All right. There we go. Ten. <laughs> All right. Barbara E. from New Jersey. Barbara. 
Is that L? Is that? Chris W. Christina Chris H. Christina. Anne Marie M. Anne Marie. Take a couple more. All right, then let's just roll with this. Tenzin P, Barbara E, Yvette L, Chris W, Christina H, and Anne-Marie M. Tenzin, you're up. Okay, uh, can you hear? I got you. Yeah, I think I'm unmuted now. Okay. Yeah, you're good. Good. All right, uh, good morning, everyone. Tenzin P, checking in from New York. Um, yeah. So I was thinking this morning, reading over this paragraph, that um, just kind of uh, doing, uh, stepping back a little bit, that this is the crown jewel, in a way, of the 12 steps. You know, uh, we, we get to work with others. There are gifts in that, and there's responsibilities in the working with others. And some of this paragraph um, and other, you know, paragraphs that we've just been reading are about how, learning how to skillfully, you know, when when there's families involved, um, you know, to try to uh, learn as much as we can about the person um, and how to listen well. Um, the gifts a lot have to do with, uh, uh, for me, uh, it has to, uh, a lot to do with that, like isolation was a big piece of my suffering. There was the compulsive overeating, but there was also isolation, which is such a fundamental um, way that I cope with things, you know, whether it looks like I'm isolating or not. I could be with other people, but still in a certain way be isolating. So this this 12th step is about continuing to learn every day for the rest of my life that I'm that I'm not isolated, that I'm not isolated. I mean, in a way, we could say that the pandemic was also about that, how we're not isolated, you know. And so, um, yeah, so uh, giving to others is on a certain, you know, uh, very uh, specific level. It's about helping other compulsive readers. It's also broadly learning how to have the attitude of thinking about where can I be of service in this world? Um, then in the second sentence, uh, neither should the family hysterically plead with the person to do anything, nor should they tell the person much about us who may end up uh, being their sponsor. Well, I was thinking of that phrase, frothy emotional appeal that occurs elsewhere in the book, right, where we don't, it's not going to be of help to have the family engage in frothy emotional appeal, you know, and it's not going to be of help for me if I'm talking to um a potential sponsee to engage in frothy emotional appeal. Uh, let's see. Um, and then the sentence, last thing I wanted to share is, it says, you might place this book where he, he or she can see it in the interval. You know, vision for you is what placed this book uh, solidly in my path and places it solidly in my mind every day of my life now. So I am so grateful for uh, all of us on the line and uh, our vision for you uh, 
program. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tenzin. Next up is Barbara E. Barbara e followed by Yvette L. Did you call Barbara E? Yes, I did. You did. Oh, thank you so much for your service. Good morning, everyone. Well, this is like a tutorial in how to sponsor and how to approach people. There are a lot of ifs here. If the person seems ready, if the person is desperate enough, there are so many ifs, but not everyone in this world who has an eating problem is a compulsive overeater. And if I'm going out with a friend for dinner and she's mainlining many slices of bread before her pasta and her side order of whatever, I'm not gonna approach her because she's in the middle of her binge and I don't wanna fat shame her. But at another time, when she's not out with me, we're perhaps taking a walk, I'll talk to her if she's interested, because if she's seen, and she has, how the weight has come off many times, but this time it stayed off, she might be interested in what I've done. And if she is, I talk about me. I tell her if, she, if I haven't shared it with her before, what I was like eating food off the floor, hiding food, buying food for the family and eating it all for me and then going down and eating a regular meal. I focus on me and I say, if she's interested, I'd be glad to take her to a meeting or put her on a Zoom meeting to see if it's right for her. If I go in the ocean, I don't go in the ocean without lifeguards. Those lifeguards could save my life. If there's a shark alert in the ocean, I stay out of the ocean because sharks are dangerous. If there's a riptide alert, I stay out of the ocean because I could drown there. And that's what this program has done for me. It's told me I need someone, a fellow to guide me on the path. I need to stay out of dangerous places because until I'm fully recovered, they're not safe for me. And maybe even if I am re fully recovered, I'm in a bad frame of mind. So I think about the other person and I throw out the, the line and the hook. And if she takes a bite and wants to bite on it and come on in, I'll be there for her. And if not, we'll always be friends because friends are friends no matter what. But honesty is always honesty. But sometimes my truth and our truth can vary. So I had to admit to myself that, yes, I'm a compulsive overeater, and I will always be one, but I don't have to die because of it. Thank you. My timer just went off. Still going off. Thank you. I pass. Thanks, Barbara. Next next up is Yvette L. followed by Chris W. Good morning. My name is Yvette L. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Connecticut. Um, and this part um, of working with others is so important for me because um, I do get uh, pretty enthusiastic about um, sharing this message. Um, and at times I do need to curb my enthusiasm um, because if somebody's not ready, um, they're not ready. And 
as I've continued to try to guide folks. Um, I think I've gotten a little uh, better, more, uh, I guess, better at um, discerning if somebody's ready or not. And I don't take it personally because uh, it's really not about me. It took me a long time in these rooms to fully surrender. Um, and I know that if uh, anybody that honestly and sincerely does this work, I know that they'll recover. Um, but it, it takes readiness and willingness and desperation. And um, all of those have nothing to do with me. So I try not to take it personally if somebody's not ready. You know, I have a lot of people that I start to work with and they stop calling. You know, I'm still friendly if they happen to call me, um, but their recovery um, isn't dependent on me. Um, it's dependent on doing the, the work as it's outlined. Um, and I try to be helpful where I can. Um, and it is a, a process. I think all of it's a process. So I've learned um, to not work somebody's program harder than they are. Um, I've learned to not, you know, come on too strong with the uh, my spirituality, which, you know, I haven't meant to do that, but sometimes that, that has happened. But I do try to learn um, you know, as I continue uh, to walk this road of happy destiny. Um, so I'm so grateful for this meeting, um, grateful for this program that's given me a life beyond anything I ever expected. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Yvette. So before we get Chris up here, I just want to let you know where we are if you, if you jumped in a little later. So I'm working with others, page 90, and that fourth paragraph, if he does not want to see you, never force yourself upon him. Ending with, uh, that might spoil matters. All right there, Chris, you're up. Star one. Chris W., Chris with a K from Nashville, Tennessee. And um, so I was just thinking yesterday, on the reading about wait until they've, or even part of today's, but wait until they've really gone on a spree and stuff. But, you know, I never ate in front of people. I mean, I had my binge buddy, um, but we're different, living in different states. So I don't have her in my um, pocket anymore, but I would never um, eat the way I do at home when I'm binging. I would be sneaking around, and um, but no one would see me eating that way. And um, so it's not quite the same as with alcohol, where it's an, it's very obvious if someone's um, on a bender. But um, I just I I realized I have not been working the program in a way that I think I want to from now on. Um, I focused a lot because I'm plant-based, and so a lot of times I don't eat with people because, or I bring my own food because I just want to make sure it's clean, and I I like my food. I don't want to waste money in the restaurants, and so a lot of times I don't eat when I go out, but I just tell people, you know, they pretty much they all know me now, but um, that I would focus on the plant-based and I realized the other day I was with a group of people from church and we were talking and I told this one guy, he's a big jokester. And he's, I said, now don't make fun of me because I'm not going to be eating because I'm plant-based and I'm going to eat at home. And he goes, Oh, I'm vegan. And you know, he shared, he had a potato and a salad and, but 
I, I just like my own food better. And I realized we had a great conversation and he understood about the binging and all that stuff. And I thought, you know, I haven't been an example because I'm at a normal weight. People can't tell, you know, they don't know I lost 125 pounds total and that I can have a different way of being a witness. And um, with that, I think I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Next up is Christina H. Followed by Anne-Marie M. Star one, Christina. Hi, I'm Christina. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic from Chicago area. Um, good morning, everyone. Thanks for reading. I, you know, as I was reading through and listening, you know, what really comes to my mind in this paragraph is, um, you know, when they say in the first sentence, if he does not want to see you, never force yourself upon him. You know, and a, and when I study this book and I work with others, um, you know, they tell us that, you know, the food or alcohol is the wording um, will beat us into a state of reasonableness. And I have found personally and with others that until that happens, there's really little or nothing that can be done. But if that's happened for somebody, you know, we don't force ourselves, but what we can do is simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for their inspection. I can walk somebody through what it means to really recover because Typically, when we come in here, it's about the food, it's about the food, it's about the food, but it's not about the food at all. It's about the emotional, shameful, horrific suffering, the emotional, the depression, the anxiety, the, all the chaos that's going on in the family. And, you know, when somebody comes in here and they're really done, you know, I never force myself upon them. I let them know the truth. I don't have a solution for your food. You know, that solution has to come from God. But what I can show you is how I, I got there. And, you know, when they go on and they say neither should the family hysterically plead with him to do anything, nor should they tell him much about you, a lot of times with compulsive eating and eating disorders as a whole, the family is not usually involved because this is such a shameful disease that it's, it's very, very rare that I would ever share the truth with my immediate family about what's really going on on the inside. You know, it's hard enough for me to share with another recovered compulsive eater when I first come in or a bulimic or whatever the case. But, you know, they go on and say they should wait for the end of his drinking bout. You know, and for me, it's always been I've got to wait till that spree hits its its end because that is where the depression and the severe hopelessness lie. And that is such a beautiful gift when we've hit that point. You know, the end of a, of a binge. And, you know, they say you might place, place this book where he can see it. Well, you know, that's, that's okay, but I've found that it's, it's important for me to take somebody through this book because it's really hard to understand these things first time through. Um, you know, no specific rule can be given. You know, when we're dealing with food, I have found, you know, we're, I can't give somebody specific rules about how they're going to eat. That has to come from God. That has to come from 
you know, awakening spiritually. And, um, you know, they go on and, and talk a little bit further about some other things. I, okay. Well, um, anyways, with that, I will pass. I'm, I'm so thankful to be here, and um, I hope everyone has a great day. Thank you. Thanks, Christina. Next up is Anne-Marie M., and then we're going to take another list. Good morning. Well, thanks for taking the meeting. This is Anne-Marie M. in South Carolina. Carolina, um, gratefully recovered through God's grace and by working the steps in this book. Um, it, um, <laughs> the first sentence, if he does not want to see you, oh my gosh, I would make that all about me. Of, you know, Why doesn't he want to see me? Or why, why doesn't somebody want what I have? Or, um, you know, look at me. I, I remember somebody just uh, said to that oh you know that people were jealous of me and I and I thought that when somebody said that I was I was too thin and and I was it was it was uh, quite a few years ago um and I just thought they're just jealous you know they, they just want what I have um not everybody wants what I have believe me um and so um if he doesn't want to see me, see me that's okay I need not take this personally uh, that was already mentioned too because this is not all about me. This is about um, helping another find God and to rely on God. And I, I, I really emphasize that people not relying on me for them to find a God squad of their own so that they can um, talk to God. And I just, I believe that people that are working this program are going to, uh, God works through them. And um, if people are doing God's will, then he will, this is my truth, my belief, um, people that are working this program and doing God's work, God will use those people to um, speak to others. So, And the other thing I heard uh, this morning was that, uh, you know, it's, um, it's a gift, you know, to have, to be sharing my experience, strength, and, and hope with one another. And in the doctor's opinion, uh, let's see. Um, it says here, in, uh, later uh, he requested, so um, the doctor's talking about Bill, the privilege of being allowed to tell his story to other patients. And it is a privilege for me to be able to sponsor someone, to be able to take them through this book, to, to be able to show them what worked for me and what didn't work for me. I was just listening to a podcast um about um, Bill's story, what what didn't work for Bill. Uh, I share with things that didn't work for me. And um, I share my experience and especially what does work uh, and the, the reliance on God. Um, and honestly, I have fear about letting them go out on a spree. Um, you know, I just... Um, and, and, I, and I share that with others. Um, my heavy heart that I have when I, when someone goes out, it just, um, you know, affects, oh my gosh, I have so much more to say. All right, maybe another day. <laughs> Thanks, Tess. Thanks, Anne-Marie, appreciate it. So, we are in Working With Others, page 90, the fourth paragraph. And uh, if he does not want to see you, never force yourself upon him, just that one paragraph. And if you shared in the past two days, please step back and allow others to share. Who would like to share on this? 
Janice, Thank you, PM. Lisa BT. So I got I got Janice PM. Lisa BT. Lisa BT, and someone after Lisa. Katie K. Katie K. Katie K. Who else? Sandy D. Sandy? Is it Sandy? Yes. Sandy D. <clears throat> Who else? I need a J. Need a. <laughs> Let's try for one more. Who was it? Sonic C. All right. So we got Janice PM, Nisa BT, Katie K, Sandy B, Nita J, and Donna G. All right, Janice, you're up. Well, thank you, Russ. Um, my name is Janice PM, and I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater living in Massachusetts. To me, this is, you know, after, of course, you know, one day at a time, years of experience with other newcomers or other sponsees, protégés. If he does not want to see you, <laughs> simple, simple directions. Never. That word is never. Never doesn't mean just stick with them until you think, you know, you can do the job. Um, we have to know as recovered sponsors and recovered compulsive overeaters that I am no match for this disease. Food, the disease, the illness is too powerful for me. I don't know about you, but, you know, no one, no human power could convince me that I had to do this. The only thing that finally convinced me is I can't do this anymore. I can't stop. I can't control what's going on in my life. And, of course, the food is the first thing. In the doctor's opinions, it tells us, it's emphatic, that we have to put the food down first. Now, if I have a sponsee and tells me, and she tells me, or he tells me that blah, blah, blah are my trigger foods, and then I find she tells me, well, I've been eating it three times a day, and, of course, the doctor told me not to eat this food, but I'm eating it. Well, <laughs> I know. I mean, I just know uh, that a compulsive overeater that is still eating, you know, that's how I know she's, they have a compulsive overeater and they're not, they're not ready yet. I mean, that's just, it's, this is not a not eating club, you know. It's, it, and they want to get to the goal. They want to get that spiritual experience. They want to get that obsession removed. But we have to put the food down first, of course. So, you know, but as a human being, I think now I've had sponsees think, um, well, maybe I'll give them a little bit more time and maybe they'll get it. Well, I'm not God, and, I, and that's the only one that could do it for me. Um, there's no human being on this, on this program that's going to give them recovery. So you stick with them and you stick with them. And, and, I, and I can't stick with them because no one can convince me. And I know nobody can convince anybody else. It's the thinking 
You know, it's our thinking as recovered people that, you know what? Uh-oh, I'm trying to do God's work. I got to, you know, by holding on to this sponsee, but we know that I have to have trust that the misery, the fool will be the great persuader. I'm not a recruiter. I'm not in the recruiting business. I, I, I can't twist your arm. <laughs> There's no twisting of arms here. It's a, it's a, yes, thank you so much, and I will pass. Thanks. Thanks, Janice. Next up is Lisa BT, followed by Katie K. Hi, good morning. Thanks, uh, Russ. This is Lisa BT. Um, I'm um, near Toronto in Canada, and I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, I, you know, this it, I've been really thinking a lot lately and experiencing a lot, actually, um, not in my own immediate family, but in others around me. Um, the, the the fear, the, the the feeling overwhelmed of of family and loved ones. Um, and um, because of my own experience um, with my with my own compulsive overeating and seeing how family was, and 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 I completely agree that nothing anybody said was remotely um, made an impact on me. In fact, I was the first time somebody suggested OA to me, I was I was shocked. I thought, what are they even talking about? Um, and then, as somebody else shared earlier, um, the weight I had—I had, I had weight, not underweight issues. I had weight issues, and I, uh, as a teen, I would think um, that was me being very defiant towards my my mom, who wanted me to be slim. And I thought, oh, you know, I, I didn't see anything other than what I wanted to see. So that was my own experience. But lately, I've been experiencing a lot of trying to tell <laughs> the whole point of what we're talking about here trying to tell family members that there's nothing you know that they have to let it go and they're not hearing me either and I'm realizing I'm doing exactly the same thing um, which is um, no matter where you are in the in the family and loved ones sort of circle because um, <clears throat> addiction is a family disease excuse me <clears throat> but um, I also am finding that sometimes with the loved ones as well, they're on their own journey. And I certainly was with mine. Um, and I have two family members, immediate family members, and one I did put a book out. Um, and maybe unlike the days when this was first written and AA was not familiar and so on, people know what 12-step what is. And she was very offended um, that I even put the book out. And... Um, um, and, and um, I, I was quite shocked that she was so offended, but we 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 talked about it um, later. She she very fortunately for her and and as a as a loved one, uh, for me things have really moved along. And she did talk about about what that felt like to her. And she said, I felt like you were criticizing me. I felt like you were judging me. I felt like you were telling me what I you know what the answer was. You weren't seeing me. And boy, was that ever a good lesson. Um, in in understanding, I think, what this paragraph is trying to get, get across. Um, so with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thanks, Lisa. Next up is Katie K. followed by Sandy B. Hi. Thank you for your service, Russ. This is Katie K. in South Florida, and I am gratefully recovered compulsive eater by God's grace for sure. 
And, you know, I have so many great, so much good guidance in this chapter and in the whole book. And for me, if I, if I take that too seriously, I'm going to get paralyzed and not feel like I can sponsor. So I really do believe that God is running the show. <laughs> when I was um, ready to, to, to get recovered, and that took me a couple of decades. You know, people had said, you know, you really shouldn't eat any sugar. And I didn't want to put that in the sugar. So I made my own little I could have this kind and this kind. And, um, and yet I started listening to A Vision for You, which someone said earlier, I guess someone said earlier, is like placing the big book in front of someone. But a little, I don't know, it's, it was very friendly to me. And when I heard the strength and the recovery and that fact that, you know, I could really change, not just with my slavery and my food being my master and, and the shame and the guilt of that, uh, but I could change as a person and become the person God wanted me to be. That, such a wet steps and weight, it had nothing to do with the sponsor, you know? So, I mean, there's a great supply of sponsors these days, but when I was looking for a sponsor, I put my name on Vision for You, and I was so grateful that someone called me, and it had nothing to do with her because it was me. It was me saying, "God, I'm ready. I'm ready to follow directions. I, 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 I'm, gonna, I'm tired of doing it my way. It doesn't work." And my sponsor, I was, I had just turned 60, and my sponsor was in her 30s. She had never been married, never had children like I do. And she was from another country, and it didn't matter. God was running the show, and I wanted the recovery. And I believe God brought her to me because she was she was just right. And, and uh, today, when I when I take on a new sponsor, you know, I do listen to the beginning program if they've listened to a vision for you, if they're brand new, just telling about myself, you know, and and the heartache and, and the shame and the humiliation and, you know, how I ate. And then, you know, I try not to get too much. I try to keep it simple. Just guide, guide me today. Help me say what this person needs. And uh, thank you. Thanks, Katie. Next up is Sandy B. Followed by Anita J. Hi, this is Sandy D from Eastern Connecticut. Um, I'm sorry, it's D is in duck, not B. Um, probably hard to hear me. Got it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so yeah, I I'm usually on my walk in the morning listening to uh, listening to you guys. Um, and I just want to say um, I'm so grateful for all the inspiration that people share in this meeting. It really turns my whole day in the right direction when I'm listening. Um, and, and occasionally I get to share, I'm reading this this morning. I, it really, uh, it, I don't know. It just really hit me. Um, so I've been in program for a very long time. I was introduced by an AA member when I was 15 going to AA meetings with my dad. And I said, you know, I have this problem like you have with alcohol, but I have it with food. 
Um, and, um, and my dad was good enough to listen to me and to take me to a meeting and things were very different back then. Um, there were food plans and orange sheet and gray sheet and very few meetings and, um, and sponsors were pretty, uh, they were, as I remember, they were pretty, uh, military like, (laughs) you know, you're either going to do what they say you're going to do or you were out of there. Um, but I've learned over the years uh, that um, that people do need to be ready. They need to be ready, and they need to decide that OA is what's going to help them. Um, there's so many different things out there now. There's surgery and medication and programs, and you know. And I don't get to decide whether OA is what this newcomer. Um, or, or even someone who's been in program for a long time, I don't get to decide if OA is what's going to work for them. Some people find help in other places. Um, OA works for me. And in sponsoring other people, I've realized they don't always stay in program and they don't always get recovery, but I do. Because in helping them, I'm helping me. You know, I had a young woman years ago who was anorexic that I was trying to sponsor and I just didn't seem like I was helping her, and, I, and she was just floundering. And I finally said, honey, I think you need to find somebody else. I'm not helping you, and, I, I, and it's painful to watch you flounder. And she did find someone else in program, and she seemed to be doing okay. And then the next thing I knew, I found out that she committed suicide. Um, very sad, but you know what it brought to me? how deadly this disease is, how deadly food addiction is. You know, we don't all get recovery. And I can put little feelers out there and I can be the one that brings the salad to the picnic. That's all I can do. I can only say this is what's working for me. Um, you know, I don't have any, I don't have any uh, magic pills. Um, and magic pills right. haven't worked for me. Um, but I'm grateful to be here with you today, and I'm grateful to listen to all your shares and gather from your knowledge and strength. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Sandy. Uh, Next up is Anita J. followed by Donna J. Thank you. Thanks, Russ. This is Anita J. I live in in the Boston area. Um, I've been thinking about the way I've sponsored and the way I've been sponsored. And food is just the beginning, you know, the food, getting it down, of course, that's, you've got to do that so you can hear something. Um, But I think now of how I'm living my life and my attitude, my attitude change. And I once heard at a meeting a fellow get up and talk about that he was a legend in his own mind and what was wrong with people. Wouldn't they see it? That he's a legend in his own mind. I identified so with that. And that all had to do with um, what needed to be changed in me. You don't have to teach a legend anything. They know it all. And the biggest change, it just kept hitting me today, the words loose mantle. And that's how I've been living my life these days. I've got something to pass on now. 
but I, it, it's like it's all kind of a, and wearing it nicely, a loose mantle, and that I can pass on what I've got, whether they want it or not, you know, it's, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to change my story. I'm not going to mince words, but uh, it's, it's, I'm not the only voice. I'm no legend. <laughs> I'm a, just a human being who found an answer through Overeaters Anonymous. And, um, and in particular, vision for you. The voices here, so much recovery. How, how can you fail if you keep a little open mind? And with that, I thank everybody and um, pass. Thanks, Anita. Next up is Donna G, and we're going to have time for maybe two more. Hi, this is Donna G. Thanks for your service, Russ. I'm a compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania, recovered by God's grace and mercy just for today. And, um, yeah, I felt led to share on this reading. Um, I have a personal story and I don't know. I don't know how it fits, except that it, it, it definitely fits with the placing the book. And uh, I don't even know what it all means. It's a mystery. It's one of those beautiful mysteries I've gotten in recovery that hopefully someday more will be revealed. Um, but my dad, my father, died uh, a num- few years ago. And before he died, he had dementia. And he used to bring things um, home with him that we didn't know where he got them. He'd bring flowers and it was like, who knows where he, what, whose garden he picked them out of. And he'd bring things from the store that he bought that weren't needed and, and that sort of thing. And one day he came and I was there at the house on a Saturday and he set down a big book and a 12 and 12 uh, from AA. And my uh, mother was very upset. I look back now. I couldn't understand. She was really upset. I couldn't understand. Was she upset because it was an AA book? Was she upset because where did he get it? You know, I, I so she was upset. And I wanted to alleviate his distress about her being upset. So I said, I'll take it. Don't, don't worry, Dad. I'll take it. I'll take them. It's, it, I'll take them. And, uh, Little did I know I needed them. I was going to take them to my brother's house, who I believe needed them, and just set them on his door and sort of take off, not even ring the doorbell. And uh, I didn't have the nerve to do that. I was afraid he'd see me and be really upset. So here I was with the book. And um, thinking, okay, well, there was someone else in my family, another sibling I thought maybe could use them. And maybe she wouldn't be so upset if I took them to her. Um eventually that sibling told me she was in a 12-step program and I said, hey, I think these books might be for you. Um, Little did I know (laughs) that I needed, I needed the books. I needed, I needed that big book. And um, we just, we loved that story. When I saw the reading today, I I sent it to my sister and uh, I, what a blessing that I can share recovery with her. She's in another fellowship, but I said, hey, for for real, what what was dad doing? Where did those come from? Was he in a fellowship? Because my father lived his life as if he were. I mean, he, so many, we, we joke about it now. We say, you know, 
dad had to be in a fellowship, like all the ways that he lived and the things, the principles and the values he lived by. And, and so it's kind of a joke with us now, but, but we'll never know. I don't think maybe, maybe more will be revealed. Um, Thank you for letting me share that story and have a blessed day. Thanks Russ for your service. You got it. So we have time for one, two minute share. Who would like to take that? Selena M. Uh, was that Grace? Chris. Chris, hit it. You got it. Yeah, it's Chris G, and I'm in Tennessee. And uh, thank you, everybody, for sharing. Thanks, Russ. Thanks for the service. Um, I just this par- this paragraph. The main thing it tells me is that I don't have the power to change myself or others. I don't have the power to change others. I don't have the power. So um, I, I look back at what I when I. Uh, started my journey and uh, I didn't know what I wanted. I I certainly uh, uh, didn't want serenity. Um, I wasn't happy, but I didn't want serenity or calmness or it wasn't my goal. Um, I wanted to change my body without changing anything else. I had the yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. And I recently talked to a young lady who um, got abstinent and and she experienced a uh, food neutrality for the first time and she described it and she didn't know that was possible and uh, she was willing to white knuckle it for the rest of her life. That's what her abstinence she thought that that was the best it could be and that she could be, find some relief from the cravings by by treating the the, the, uh, the, the, the allergy of the body and then uh, going farther and going deeper. So uh, where is the answer? The answer is not in a meeting, the answer is not in a grocery store, the answer is not in a doctor's office, the answer is in the 12 steps. Work them. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Chris. So you're going to be our last share. And thank everybody who shared today. And everybody did service in the month of June for, for our uh, Friday meeting. All right, today's share ID, Friday, June 30th, 2023, is 20,401. So that's 20401. All right, we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Where Anne-Marie M., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Star one, Amory. Amory. I'm Star sorry, one. I'm right here. I yeah, I took, I couldn't get unmuted. <laughs> sorry about that. No get unmuted. Okay, Amory and uh, recovered cultural eater. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning med- meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass. For 
for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to, to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.